We're living in a time where as Christians, it has become more of a challenge to live for God. Would you agree? Amen. Our nation has become more like it was in the days of Noah. Even though our nation was founded on Christianity, we've lost our identity. We're no longer considered to be a Christian nation. We're continually being put down, made fun of, ridiculed for our beliefs and our faith. We're being pressured to conform to the world's way of thinking. As a matter of fact, we're constantly being exposed to new ways of thinking. We're being told that our way of looking at the world through the eyes of God in the Bible We're told it's outdated, it's ancient, and it's intolerant. Hollywood, TV, and the media, they become our Bible. They tell us how we're to act, how we're to live, how we're to think, how we're to talk. Guys, I'm afraid that we've got some very difficult days ahead of us. As Christians. You may be thinking, well, if if all this is true, then, then how can we as Christians survive in this world? I believe we not only can survive, I believe we can thrive in this world. Despite where our world is headed, we can thrive in it. I believe that. I would like to talk to you uh, this morning about commitment without compromise. So turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. In 605 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he came into Jerusalem and he overtakes it. And this king... He was ruthless. And he was feared. He was one of the most feared leaders of his time. When he invaded a country, I can assure you, you could bank on it. He was going to experience victory. And after a victory, the Babylonians, they would usually take the most talented and useful people back to Babylon with them to work as slaves in their courts. And it was no different here. He did the same thing with Jerusalem and the children of Israel. King Nebuchadnezzar, he had a plan. He was looking for a certain type of person when he would take them back. He wanted those who were young, those who were physically fit, handsome, smart, intelligent, competent, Those are the type of people that he was looking for that he would take back with him. He'd place them in this three-year program where they were going to be taught how to live, how to act, what to think, what to study, how to conduct themselves. They were going to be taught their literature and their language and their ways as Babylonians. Babylonians. 
See, King Nebuchadnezzar's goal was to strip them of their identity and their heritage. But there's four guys in this story that we're going to be focusing our attention on this morning. Their names were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God used these guys tremendously in a mighty and a powerful way during a very difficult time in their life. And there's a lesson that I want to emphasize to you this morning. It's one main point. And if we'll apply it to our life, God will use it tremendously in our life to impact us for his honor and for his glory. Amen? Look with me in verse 8 of Daniel, first chapter. The Bible says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now Daniel and his friends, they loved God. They, were sworn, they had sworn their allegiance to God to live for God. To obey God's law. And I believe once these guys, they were headed to Babylonia. I believe they, they looked, I believe they looked in each other's eyes and said, I want to tell you something. My commitment to God has not changed. I'm going to continue to live for Him. I'm going to continue to worship Him. I'm going to continue to obey His law. I will not compromise, even if it costs me my life. This word resolved here, verse 8, it means to be committed to a course of action. These guys had predetermined in their heart, they had purpose in their heart, that they were going to live for God even though they were headed into some difficult days. Even though they knew that they were going to be opposed. They said, we don't care. We're not going to compromise in this area. Well, shortly after they got to Babylonia. They found themselves in a dilemma. The food and the wine that... They were going to be serving them. They found out what it was and they knew this is not acceptable to God. So we're not going to partake of it. They knew it was unclean. More than likely it was offered up to their pagan gods. And it could have very well been that the, the type of food that it was, they knew that it, that it was not permissible in accordance to God's law. They said, we're not doing it. And this gets me to the main point that, that I feel like God has, has told me this morning. This is what you need, you need to share. Because if we're going to thrive in this world, if we're going to have an impact in this world. We have got to do exactly what Daniel and his friends had determined and they had committed to do. 
And that is we must commit our allegiance to God without compromise. We need this same level of determined commitment as Daniel and his friends. We, we need to be just as dedicated to God, his word, his law, and to live for him regardless of the consequences, even if it costs us our lives. Who knows what the future of Christianity here on this world is going to be? You don't know and I don't know. You don't know what kind of persecution that we're going to be headed into. And God is saying, you need to already in your heart and in your mind, commit yourself to me wholeheartedly, regardless of what happens. Guys, I understand our world's changing. We're moving further and further away from God. But you know what? I believe we as Christians have changed. The things that we used to stand for, we no longer stand for. The way we used to live our lives many years ago, we don't live that way. We don't emphasize the things of, of how we should live to God and how we should commit to God like we, we need to. You know what I believe has happened? We've compromised. We've watered down our Christianities so that we could adapt to the world's way of thinking. Because you see, the, the further the world gets away from God, guess what it does? It makes us stand out more. And we don't like that. So we compromise God's law and what he says in the way we should live so that we can move a little bit closer to the world and we won't stand out quite as much. We've changed as Christians. We're not as committed as we used to be. As a matter of fact, we don't have the conviction that we used to have by the way we live our lives anymore. We may have changed, but you know what? God's never changed. God's Word has never changed. You know what we need to do? We need to get back to God's Word. We need to get back to looking into His Word and saying, What is it, God? That you want me to do. And how is it that I should be living my life? Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Verse number 1. says this. Therefore I urge you brothers. In view of God's mercy. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So the Apostle Paul is telling us here that we need to be living sacrifices. You know, in the Old Testament, when the children of, children of Israel would want to worship God, you know what they would do? They'd build an altar. They'd put a, a spotless lamb on it and they'd offer it up to God and God would accept it. Well, think about it. I mean, isn't that really what we did when we accepted Christ into our life? We said, God, I'm climbing up on this altar. 
I'm sacrificing my life for you. God, I surrender my life to you. I will go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I'm yours. My life is not my own. I don't want it. All I do is make a mess out of it. I give it to you. But somewhere along the line, as Christians, we became distracted. We took our focus off of God, who we had sacrificed our lives for. And we began to turn, we began to look at the world. And we've become confused about what's right and what's wrong. Before we know it, we've walked off of that altar and started doing our own thing, started doing it our own way. And what we've done is we've compromised. Amen? So I want to ask you this morning. How deep is your commitment to God? How far are you willing to go without compromising? What are the non-negotiables? Do you have any non-negotiables in your life like Daniel and his friends and said, I'll draw a line. And I will not cross it. Do what you will. You say, I, I, I don't know. But I want to encourage you to do something. I want you to get you a pen. And I want you to get you a paper. And I want you to get along with God. And I want you to get His Word. And you begin to look into His Word. And you ask God, God, what does your word say about my relationship with you? What kind of relationship do I really need to have with you, God? And how do I get it? Then you asked him, God, what kind of relationship do I need to have with my, with my spouse? What does your word say about that? And you just go round down the line. What, what, God, does it say about my family, my relationship with my family and with my church? with my job, with finances, and look at every area of your life. John 10.10 tells us, Jesus said this. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that to be true, don't we? What did he say? I've come. That you may have life. And that you may have it more abundantly. Here on earth, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to experience God and his presence and his power working in and through us. We can experience here, here on this earth. And God wants to tap into his resources and just see what he can do. Put him to the test. He'll never fail you. And he'll never let you down. Daniel and his friends. Guys, that's the way they live their life. And that's what God is saying. God has so much more 
for us as Christians that to experience, and he's got so much more. He has a purpose and a plan for each one of our lives. All of us. And if we really knew deep down what God wanted to do, it would blow our minds. But you know what? You get along with God. You spend time with him. You seek him. And you ask him. And he'll tell you. And he'll show you. And he'll give you the power to do it. Amen. And I want to show you right here. If you will choose to do this, I want you to look at what God would do. Look with me in verse 9. They have resolved. We're going to live for God. Look what God did. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. Wow. You know what that tells me? You pledge, you, you pledge your allegiance to God and God will begin to move in your behalf. I mean, sometimes it'd be like he's, he's parting the water. God caused this chief official to have sympathy for Daniel and his friends. God is so moved in this Babylonian official's life. Why? Because of their conviction and because of their commitment to God. That's why. They've seen it. And you know what it did? It had an impact on this official's life. And that tells me if you'll stand up for God, if you'll do what's right, I promise you that God will work and move in your behalf. And along the way, others will notice it. And it will impact them. The second thing is this. God will give you wisdom to handle whatever you face. Look in verse 11. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He said, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink, and then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this, and he tested them for ten days. This was an unusual request, wasn't it? And I can imagine Daniel standing there. You know, he's thinking, God, I need wisdom. I mean, we're already in a dilemma here. God, what do I do? Man, God spoke to him. He said, you asked him if you can just eat vegetables and drink water for 10 days. You know why? Because Daniel knew I can eat vegetables and not defile God in his law. And guys, when you follow God, God will give you wisdom. God is faithful. And if you follow him and you commit to him, you'll see him not only work in your behalf, but you'll see him answer your prayers when you get in situations when you really need him. Sometimes what God may ask you to do, it won't be easy. Was it easy for Daniel and his friends? Sometimes it may not even make sense. 
There'll be times it won't even be the most popular thing to do. But you know what? It'll always be the right thing to do. Why? Because God gave it to you. Third thing is this. God will unleash his power in you and through you. Look in verse 15. It says, at the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine and, that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Isn't this amazing? I mean, who has ever heard of a person on a vegetarian diet getting healthier? better fit, maybe even gain weight. Now, I know it's supposed to be healthier for you, but how many of you here do that? I mean, really, to be honest with you, it's not, it's not even logical. And you may can do it over a, a few months stretch, but 10 days, you know as well as I do, this was a God thing. God had done this. He had unleashed his power. He said that they were more healthier and more, better nourished than all those who had ate the royal food. That blows my mind. And then look what he'd done. Verse 17. He, he takes this thing. Man, he just continues to, to pour his power out on them. He says, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in to the chief officials presented them, uh, bring them into Nebuchadnezzar, the king talked with them and found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Listen to this, in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king had questioned them, he found them to be ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. you talking about unleashing his power. They, they sent him through this program for three years. And when they were questioned and interviewed, they come to find out that they knew more about the customs, the culture, the language. I mean, everything more than all of his magicians. Daniel could understand dreams and visions. I mean, God just poured his blessing and his power out on these men. And he'll do the same for us. If you look in God's word, all through the Bible, over and over and over again, there's men and women in the Bible that he used mightily when they stood up for him. And they did what they knew to be right. God would unleash his power. I think about Moses. I think about Noah. I think about Joshua. I think about Abraham. I think about the disciples, Peter and Paul. All through the Bible, you constantly read how God just just unleashes his power in their life. The last thing is this. It's God to bless you. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. He'll bless you now. You see, this wasn't the, last, the, the only time that these guys faced 
adversity. This wasn't the only time that they faced a dilemma. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in a dilemma. King Nebuchadnezzar, he had had this golden image made. And they was going to have this big celebration. They was going to have this big celebration. And what was supposed to happen was the musicians were supposed to come out and play. And during this time of this celebration, everyone was supposed to bow down and worship this golden image. Well, they went through it. They had their celebration. Time come, the musicians played. Everyone bowed down except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when King Nebuchadnezzar found out about this, guess what? He became enraged. I mean, he called them, called them guys in here. I want to talk to them. And he questioned them. He said, what part of this do you, do you not understand? He said, if you don't bow down and worship this golden image that I've set up, he said, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. Now, don't you look in chapter 3, verse number 16. Don't you look at their reply to this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Look at this. But even if he does not, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of God that you have set up. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Did they draw the line in the sand then? Yes, they did. They looked down and said, King, we're not going to serve your God. We're not going to worship your God. And I tell you again, he became infuriated. He looked at the, he looked at the soldiers and he said, Stoke the fire. He said, I want it seven times hotter than it's ever been. And he threw these boys in there. They said it was so hot that when the soldiers took them up there to throw them in the furnace, he said it killed them. It, it just disintegrated. It was so hot. After a few minutes of being in that furnace, King Nebuchadnezzar looked in there and he said, Guys, didn't, didn't, I, didn't we throw three guys in the furnace? And they said, Yeah, we did. And I mean, he had this puzzled look on his face and he said, It looks like there's four in there. And he said, One of them looks like the Son of God. He hollered at him and said, you come out. They came out. I want you to read. Verse number 27. It says, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Satraps, preferts, I want to say perverts, 
Well, I, I'm sorry, but every time I go to say that, it seems like that's what I want to say. So I might as well just say it. The governors and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had, had not harmed their bodies. Listen to this. They saw, now they all crowded around. They said, we saw that the bodies were not even harmed, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not even scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them at all. Unbelievable. King Nebuchadnezzar was so blown away. At that moment, he he said, there is no one, he said, there is no one that is to speak a word against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God from this day forward. He said, if you do, he said, we'll cut you to pieces. And they said, because of this, they were promoted throughout the province of, the Babylon, of, of Babylon. God blessed the socks off of these boys. He continued to use them. But how about Daniel? Daniel, in chapter number 6, King Darius makes a decree. He said, no one is to worship or no one is to pray to any other God except King Darius himself. And he made it public. And I, I just, you know, I was just thinking about Daniel. You know, he gets up like he normally does every day. You know, he, he makes him a pot of coffee. And he gets, uh, sits down at the table. And he opens up the paper. And he reads. For the next 30 days, no one is to pray to any other God except King Darius. Verse 10. says he went upstairs to his room where, the, where he opened the windows pointed toward Jerusalem three times a day like he'd done for the last 70 years. He praised and he thanked God. What did he do? He drew a line in the sand, didn't he? Listen, he'd done this 70 years ago. Here in the first chapter, he was 15 years of age when he made this commitment. Now he's in 85 or so, and he's still, still committed to God just as much as he ever was then. But you know what? Because of the decree, the king couldn't change it. He had a lot of respect for Daniel. It's just not something he really wanted to see. Actually, if you read it, he was set up. Some of the administrators had set him up. They knew. We can't find any dirt on this man. But we know what he does three times a day. And he has such a deep commitment. He's not going to stop doing it. We'll, we'll, we'll get him. And they told him, said, you're going to have to throw him in the lion's den. And the king did. He had him thrown into the lion's den. Read, me, read with me. Verse number 19. All night long, the king paced. Just back and forth. Come dawn. He went to the lion's den. 
He said, at first dawn, the king got up and he heard the lion's den. He said, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. He said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent an angel. And he shut the mouth of the lion. He says, he has not harmed me. I mean, that's unbelievable what God would do for you. And from that moment on, they had promoted him to prime minister. Over all of Babylon. So I'm here to tell you. Guys. If we'll commit ourselves to God. If, we'll, if we will. Uh, pledge our allegiance to him. He'll begin to work on your behalf. He'll give you the wisdom you need. Throughout your whole lifetime. Sometimes it'll be like the waters are parting. He'll unleash his power in your life and through your life to impact others and he'll bless you along the way. And that is his, that is his purpose for all of us. And that is his desire for all of us. Guys, I know our world's changing. And I'm closing here. I know our world's changing. We're moving further and further away from God. But it doesn't mean that we can't thrive in this world. God can use us to be competent leaders in this world. And he can use us to influence others for his honor and for his glory. But the only way it's going to happen is if we resolve in our hearts. Just like Daniel and his friends did to commit to God regardless of his consequences. There's another verse of scripture that I want to read. Then we're going to pray. And I want you to listen to this. This comes from Joshua chapter 1. Listen. You want to know how to succeed in God's eyes? Now I've told you. And this is reiterating. Moses had, had died and he passed away. And Joshua was to take his place. So man, he's praying and he's seeking God. What do I do? What do I do? He told him here in verse 6, Joshua chapter 1. He says, be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. And again, he reiterates it. Be strong and courageous. Be careful 
to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Look, look at this. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. This is a word from the Lord. You don't have to fear the devil. And you don't have to fear the future here on earth as Christians. Because God's told us, be strong and courageous. And if you won't veer off to the left or to the right, he said, I'll stand right by you. And he said, I'll give you success wherever you Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word. God, I thank you for people like Daniel and his friends who are so willing to stand up when the opposition was so strong. Their commitment to you was so deep. They went through tremendous sufferings and trials and temptations in life. God, you used them mightily. And I believe in my heart, you're not done. Your desire is to use us mightily for your honor and for your glory. And, and you don't make it complicated. God, you make it simple. That we are to just simply to pledge our allegiance to you and commit to you. And not compromise it regardless of our world and how far it goes away from you. We know there's difficult days coming. But God, we're going to look to you. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. You're awesome. And God, you're right here with us. Thank you again for Lifeline Community Church. For Adam and Tanya. God, I pray you bless this church. God, I pray you use this church throughout this community that when it's over with, that they would just be so blown away by all that you've done in their life through them to influence others for your kingdom, that they'll give you praise, honor, and glory for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen.